I would take what is probably one of my favorite watch movements, the 4130 from the Daytona, and give it to Zenit as fair play for 12 years. And <laughs> I would be like, okay, here you go, guys. <laughs> Do whatever you want with it. It's thinner, it's less complicated, it's, uh, it's, it's different than the Apromero. So let's see like a thinner and uh, uh, you know, cool collab Apromero from Zenit with that movement. I think that, that would be a hysterical ask from Zenit. <laughs> Imagine a lawsuit or something, like we've earned this. Give us 12 years of 4130. Greetings and welcome to this week's Blog to Watch Weekly. We are Sans Ariel who is fighting with the first class passenger line. It, it, you know, you got to feel sorry for the guy. Imagine being stuck in first class. But there you go. He is nonetheless stuck in transit. But we have Super Sub, who I think is about to become a permanent fixture. We have Ripley, mainly a permanent fixture because they can't unpin him from that wall that he sits in front of. Mm -hmm. But Ripley, good morning. How are you? I don't see any adverts for a local curry house behind you. What's happening? I actually just got a new printer. So uh, the first <laughs> thing it printed was a return label to send back a watch. The second will be my favorite. It'll 400 page Richard meal press release to go plaster <laughs> behind me. Excellent. We want to see the longest press release that contains no pictures of what it's actually discussing. You know, it contains pictures of forests and motor cars <laughs> and ocean views and people, but contains no pictures of the watch until the very last minute. So that's, that's the background we want to see. Either that or a green screen that we can just superimpose stuff. Have you seen, David, you're a bit of a Formula One uh, geek as well. Have you seen the latest Formula One release car mm. where they have released it and it's in that luminous background oh, green? Sauber? Yeah, it's just inviting itself to be, mm. you know, have stuff super <laughs> superimposed upon it, which I think may prove to be a marketing error on their part, depending how well the car does. But anyway, good morning, David. How are you? Good, good. How are you? Not bad at all, not bad at all. I believe that while our country's, you know, civilization, as we call it, is coping well with rain, uh, Ripley's maybe maybe not so much. Is the weather a bit poor over there, Ripley? It's not 28 degrees now. Or is it still no. 28 degrees? It's just raining in 28 degrees. Uh, it, it's maybe Fahrenheit. Oh, it's been raining <laughs> two days. Everything, everything is crumbling. This is about as apocalyptic <laughs> as we get during the winters in Los Angeles. Two days of rain we, means more or less everything is flooded and everyone has to take their dogs out at the exact same five minute windows throughout the day. So <laughs> that's been, uh, it's been me. It's been a rain jacket, Luminox watch and Crocs, California tactical gear <laughs> last 48 hours. I, I, is that, so we finally discovered what Crocs are, are for then is that because I've yet to figure out clogs and Crocs, like why they exist. It baffles me that a Croc is a necessary piece of anything. It's the best dog walking shoe. You know, you can hose it off if you step in the dog's poop. It's it's fine. You can just <laughs> don't need socks on them. You can put them into sport mode if you've got to run at a coyote or run from a coyote pack or something like that. Best, <laughs> absolute best dog walking shoes. I've literally worn mine until there's a hole in the bottom. So I've just got replacement. We're going to swap them out after the rainstorm. Is it okay for me to confess that I only found out this week about sport mode and Crocs? <laughs> That's completely passed me by. Because I have seen them, but I didn't realise it was called sport mode, you know, when you put them on properly. But that's the same as sport mode. It sounds like some sort of overhyped watch press release. And now we put the watch 
in sport mode, which means like we fasten the strap on or something. Uh, <laughs> well, if I'm not mistaken, Richard Mill actually does have that. You can lock the rotor in, in, in one of their models for more strenuous activities and to prevent it from knocking around in there. So Can't wait for the for... Richard Mill and Crocs special edition like collab or something. <laughs> it's coming. We joke, but it's coming. Crocs has collaborated with everyone else. So. They use the same material anyway. <laughs> True. Made in the same straps made in the same factory. Yeah. Right, well, that feels like the good introduction to a Grinding Gears. Mm -hmm. uh, and David, you have brought us a Grinding Gears this week. It's, I wish major brands would return to promoting watchmaking values. That's right. This is, boy, boy, is this topical. You've hit a right zeitgeist this week with some of the nonsense that's been going on in the hmm. watch community. So tell us your, give us your pitch uh, as to where, where this story has bubbled up from. Oh, well, I've been working on another Grinding Gears, but it's it's been in the works for some time because I need some information from brands on certain things, um, which I believe will make my gears grind even more. So that's <laughs> that's that's very much WIP, work in progress. Um, and since a Grinding Gears column was due, I figured let's go with something else. And it's not too difficult to find something else. And so what I thought about was, was this decline in the frequency and also the quality of um, in-depth um, videos by watch brands that would invite watch enthusiasts into their manufacturers and into the manufacturing techniques and all, all the rest of it. Because, and here's the point, is that when I was just getting into watches, these official brand videos had a huge impact um, on my development as a um, watch enthusiast, uh, watch collector, whatever you want to call it. Because um, the inside that I was given that and that I could see, it was just like, you know, every single frame of these videos would t show me something that I didn't know even existed or was possible or was performed on, a on any scale. And so I looked at the first you know, the, the top 15 brands um, by revenue, uh, which is a pretty strong list. And I looked at all their YouTube accounts. And, you know, there's like some really, really um, big discrepancies when it comes to uh, their dedication to showcasing, uh, showing off their uh, their craft. Yeah, and, and who did you find has fallen the furthest and who has fallen the least? So who has moved from, here's what we do as a watch, here's why it's a cool watch, to here's a picture of pretty people wearing our watch and we're not actually going to tell you that much about it yeah i think i think that would be omega um i remember omega used to have some <laughs> some of these pretty fantastic got, please just say you had to really you really had to think about that while you had to cogitate that oh omega that's it <laughs> well definitely I, I, 100%. I, if you go to this grinding gears article you will find that i link to all the youtube accounts of all the 15 brands um and so uh -huh. so i make it i make this easy for everyone to, to check out and, and make it for themselves <laughs> but i actually took a screenshot of omega's youtube account and i the caption that i provided for it was that not much of orological substance here which actually uh makes me chuckle because it, it is hysterical how absolutely just bad all of this is basically you know it's 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 a bunch of celebrities and 15 second watch videos um which is which is quite bad uh, it, within the scope of like four months you know so that's quite a long time um and again if you go if you go even further in time then it's just like it's it's pretty bad at ripley your experience of uh searching the internet and seeing this change over yeah the years. well i totally agree with uh with david i'd love to see them brands just kind of showcase more about you know 
what we're actually buying, not just who's wearing it. And, you know, show me how it's made. Don't don't make this amazing render of it like forging itself from titanium powder. That's absolutely ridiculous. And that's not how that happens. Mm. So like, you know, a lot of these very pleasing visuals, even the ones that we do get served in, uh, like David said, like, you know, these kind of like watch centric, almost teaser things don't really showcase the manufacturing process, uh, you know, whether it's the the craftsmanship aspect, the material science and really anything like that. It's just kind of this um, flashy uh, kind of marketing stuff. Uh, but in Omega's defense, I will say this. He's not mistaken that they are could really expand in this one thing, but they they actually they have built the technological side already what omega now needs to do as a brand is all of the branding side so i kind of as much as i would like to see them do you know showcase the watches themselves i totally understand why they're choosing this marketing route they're going where it's about the celebrities and all of that because if you look at omega as a manufacturer um they're ahead of most when it comes to the tech coaxial escapement silicon components meta certification so what they're trying to do right now is build that mainstream following that brands like Rolex and Cartier have. So I understand it from a marketing perspective, but there's so much cool stuff there that I would love to see them shine a spotlight on it. You can even make it its own sub channel of like watch nerd stuff in there, but I would love to see Omega show us how some of the ceramic components come together, you know, I, I, how the Metis testing happens. There's such a wealth of amazing stuff they do. It's almost in, infinitely open-ended. And in addition to the celebrity thing, which I guess, I get it, I get it. I, I would love to see them just kind of show the watchmaking more. So I 100% understand that sentiment. Mm -hmm. So is this just showing that the watch world is now divided into two? There is now very distinctly the geeks. And we've always been here. We were the guys that they were making the videos for because fundamentally all the watchmakers are geeks and now there's the general public the great unwashed out there that are now just being sold the next luxury item and so it's not about what's in it it's not about how it's made it's not about the history it's just about who else thinks this is cool and do you think that person's cool therefore you might buy our watch is it just inevitable that as watch companies have to sell more stuff to keep their share prices up and all the rest of it, and they need to expand their markets, that actually there's only so many watch geeks to go around that will appreciate meta certification. So actually we need to find some folk that will just buy this because they've got money and they want to spend it on something. Here's the thing. Um, this trend ruins watches for us. It's, uh, you know, first it's communications. It's like how they say, you know, like first you have a thought and then you start saying it and then it becomes one of your like, uh, you know, like um, routines. It's, it's, it's a development. And what brands say will also affect how they act and how they act will also affect how people react to it and what sort of an audience they can, they can gather around themselves. And this is why I think we're seeing now that a lot of these high-profile brands don't resonate with die-hard watch enthusiasts, even new ones who were not into watches three years ago, um, because they, you know, they look at some of these brands and they're like, you know, there's no substance there, I don't care. And I'm talking about big brands. Like last week we looked at that $100,000 diamond decorated um, tag Hoyer with a Celita movement in it. I think that is perfect case in point. Oh, we would just say this and it's shiny and did it there. And then boom, boom, we slap a 200 or 150 Swiss franc movement in a $100,000 watch. I mean, that is 
cynical, but it, it's, it also means that they have attracted, they think, an audience big enough uh, that they can showcase such a product to and even market it at the 100,000. So my worry here is that if we keep going down this road, then uh, what we will find ourselves in is a bunch of 15 second watch videos and five minute long celebrity interviews and um, once a year, maybe a two minute look into how something is done in watches. And this decline, again, will affect watches and will return a little bit to where things were in the 90s and the, and the 2000s, where all the, it's, it's the same movement in different shaped watches, you know, and I don't really want to yeah, go that, I, I, that I, way. Um, on, on one hand, I, I, I kind of understand why brands are doing this. You know, I, there's, there is very much this divergence. Watches became a lot more mainstream, uh, especially post-COVID. And yeah, there, watch nerds are going to be far more discerning buyers. Like, look, the average person isn't looking at that tag and going, it's absolutely cynical. I 100% agree with David. It's insane to put a 100, you know, dollar movement in a $100,000 watch, like splatter it with lab grown diamonds and then say, this is, this is, this is, you know, horology. Uh, but at the same time, what you see on watch media uh, outside of the very hardcore enthusiast landscape is watches are this commodity. Like look at all of those diamond district dealers on TikTok, where it's not about what the watch is. It's that I bought it for this. I flip it for this. And it's, it's, it's a little bit, uh, it's, it's a little bit gross for those who are passionate about the hobby because it, it simplifies these things that are so much more than the sum of their parts into this thing that isn't even about its parts at all. It's about this, you know, what is it worth to people and when it becomes, it's no longer about what the object is, it's about what it's worth, it becomes really, really kind of um, blurry as far as what you're actually buying. And that's when you have these brands presenting something that really isn't worth the sum of its parts, when it should be more than the sum of its parts, and then charging you $100,000 for it. So, you know, I understand why it's happening, but at the same time, I really don't agree with it. I feel like it's a bit of a slippery slope. Yeah, and I think the slippery slope thing is an issue because, yeah, okay, you've got these great big multinationals that are doing this, but I think what you're seeing is they're dragging along with them mm -hmm. some of the previous, like, smaller, more niche brands are also being dragged into this world of, yeah, let's put the watch in front of something pretty, let's get a celebrity. You know, brands like, I don't know, that would probably have been far away from this originally, Oris, Norcane, smaller brands, everybody is being pulled in the the same direction of can we find a celebrity to put this? Can we get it on a red carpet somewhere? And yeah, fair enough, it's because they need to sell more units because they're getting them more expensive and they've got a big overhead to support and all the rest of it. Is there anybody of scale there who you feel is setting their face against this trend and saying, No, 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 this is this is not us. We are about we're about the tech. We're about the appreciation of the art. And I don't mean brands like, I don't know, Ferdinand Bertoud or someone who are, the watches are all half a million quid. Is there anyone at, not a micro brand that's set up on Kickstarter? Mm. Is there anyone you go, yeah, actually, you know what, guys? <laughs> You're still the home of the geek. Yeah, Watch Their Own was a, was a very pleasant surprise for me. Um, if you go All right, okay. uh, visit their YouTube account, it's uh, a YouTube channel, it's uh, it's very positively amazing. A lot of beautiful, extremely rare watches and movements showcased. And But yeah, I, I, think, I think Watch Your Own was a standout for this. 
interesting. Ripley, anyone spring to mind from you that you go, yeah, I, I can always be assured of not um, being I sold feel like, something you know, overhyped. I would agree. I think Bashron sort of in that scape. As far as just as far as their YouTube channels, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, as far as the brands themselves, outside of kind of the small ones and in independents, um, I'd like to say Zenith keeps it kind of real a little bit when it comes to that. So, you know, obviously they do a lot of their, you know, they like to talk about their history and the, you know, all of that stuff and the heritage and all of that. But at the same time, the brands do at least keep the mechanics front and center. They do a lot of fun, crazy high beat stuff. And so at least, they are still keeping that within the discussion. I can't remember the last time we got a press release from Zenith talking about, you know, what TV B-list celebrity wore it or, you know, something like that. So like, yes, they have their ambassadors. Yes, they promote it. But I don't ever feel like that's the core part of the message unless it's something like the Aaron Rodgers collaboration watch or something like that. I feel like they kind of, they let it have its space, but it I don't necessarily think that it dwarfs you know, the emphasis they place on just what the watch is itself. Yeah. I mean, this was brought to my uh, attention this week because of a certain release by a brand which I love, mm. uh, Breitling, and this Victoria Beckham collaboration mm. to which my wife stormed in the room saying, what a Breitling think they're doing <laughs> uh, <laughs> with this collaboration and a certain other collaboration that I promise I wouldn't speak too much about. Uh, because I'll go off on a real rant, but the beiges of beige watches being worn by more beige, and I'll just say it's a Casio G-Shock, you know, with somebody's name on it. It's like, this is, you know, a G-Shock that is just one of the most technologically impressive watches of its kind, and it's being celebrity sold. You've got a Breitlings, which are just amazing watches, and yet, they feel the need to put a celebrity on it and their initials and all the rest of it. What's David help Ripley help? What's going wrong with the world and how do we fix it? Ah, that's a good question. I think putting <laughs> your own name on a G-Shock is a bit of a stretch. Um, maybe I'm not <laughs> egotistic enough or, or something like that, but it's like, I don't think you have to be <laughs> humble to realize that that's a stretch. <laughs> you know, uh -huh. it, <laughs> it's like I, I, I couldn't imagine anyone going out there and saying like, this is the David 9-11, you know, like, wow, okay, uh, you know. But you do dream, but you do dream about that to be fair. Yeah, I guess. But then I, <laughs> I, I would just like, <laughs> yeah. I would just like to point out the difference between a blog to watch whose principal person gets asked to write the book about the history of the g-shock and a website that sells g-shocks whose titular character gets asked to put the brand's name on it and that is the essential difference i feel between us a blog to watch who don't sell watches and virtually everybody else who's trying to be media who does i promise that's the last of my little rant <laughs> Uh, Ripley, Ripley f closes off here. I, Help. I, I don't know. I, I love that the G-Shock has existed in amazing every single collaboration, every single partnership, every single thematic rendition. But at the same time, I kind of think it's right. If, some, if Casio came to me and said, hey, we want to do a G-Shock with you. What do you want it to be about? The last thing I'm going to have it do is like the Ripley Sellers G-Shock. We're going to have like 
something inspired by something close to me but stone, like stonewall it, it's gonna have a stonewall look it's gonna have washed a washed yeah, out sand render yeah it, it, it'll have a, a strap inspired by a gray hoodie but like it's not gonna it's not gonna be about me i i just feel like it's um it's it that's the, a weird way to take a product like the g-shock um, and it's different when you're a celebrity who produces something like music or you're a race car driver and it's, or an athlete or an artist, and this is your signature edition of a watch. I kind of get that. But as someone who works in the watch industry, like if Casio came to me and make a watch, I'm not, it's not going to be about me. It's going to be about basically everything else except me. Um, it's like if Volvo asked Jeremy Clarkson to produce a Jeremy Clarkson brand. That car Volvo. would be awesome. Let's be let's be honest. <laughs> it would basically okay. Fair enough. Bad, bad yeah, example. It would basically be like the uh, the one that Sotheby's had, where it's got a Corvette engine in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, this leads us on uh, handily to Roman and the Globin this week. So we'll play his question. And then come back because I think it might have some relevance to this. Hey all, it's Roman here at Times Roman AU with another thought experiment for you to discuss. Which iconic watch model would you take away from its current manufacturer and give to one of their competitors to do a better job with? For me, I think it's long past remove the Speedmaster from Amiga's custody for general abuse and neglect and given to, I don't know, AP to do a better job with. Anyway, looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Cheers. Okay, so which watch model are you taking off of? Which brand? And who are you giving it to? I think I might need to take G-Shock off of Casio. <laughs> these kind of things. Cheeky. Think, give it to somebody. Give it to Vacheron. Give it to somebody sensible. That would be fun. I mean, this need not be a G-Shock negative experience. G-Shock goes to Vacheron. This ne- no, no, exactly. Yeah, this need not be a negative uh, uh, experiment. We, we could play around with this. Uh, hmm. Yeah, G-Shock to Vacheron, that's my nomination. That's funny. <laughs> David. Yeah, I'm thinking about how we could mix this up. That's very good. Go on, Ripley. <laughs> well, I mean, I was going to say G-Shock to Richard Mille, I think, would be a lot of fun. But I want to take the Royal Oak from AP and give it to Ublo. <laughs> what, would, what would AP do? Some would argue, what would AP do then? Some, some would argue that they already have it. Uh, you know, like people people like to say that the, uh, the, uh, the Big Bang looks a lot like a Royal Oak, which is... Not always the case, um, especially not if you've seen watches a lot of the time. But but if you're if you're just getting into watches, then you know that that I think is is a, is, a, is a statement we can all expect to hear. Well, here's why I want to see it happen. I, I get the aesthetic similarities, but the Royal Oak, I think AP puts it on a pedestal a little bit too much and doesn't want to change it. And when they want to change it, they make it a whole other line, like the offshore, the concept. Hublot, nothing is sacred over there in neon. Like they don't, no, they they like at green sapphire dragons. Like make it out of concrete, whatever. Like they go hard with that stuff. And so I want to see them given Genta's like OG integrated bracelet watch and just see what they do with it. It's not going to be sacred. It's not going to be the Royal Oak from one year to the next, like AP's done. Ublo is going to absolutely defile that thing in amazing <laughs> different ways, and I am here for it. And then it's going to also force AP to just say, well, that's I guess we got the code 1159. <laughs> Let's go bring back all the cool stuff we used to do with round cases, some of the weird like Jules Ardemar stuff. Like, There's a lot of stuff in AP's archives that could be 
very much modernized and exists today. It doesn't happen. So I, I'd love to see that happen and just see where that in, in my alternate reality, that's what happens. The Royal Oak becomes something that doesn't bore me. And then AP becomes a brand who doesn't bore me because they don't have to just rely on the Royal Oak and then keep it I would on a take... pedestal. What is probably one of my favorite watch movements, the 4130 from the Daytona, and give it to Zenit as fair play for 12 years. So since the Rolex uses Zenit movement, <laughs> <laughs> I would be like, okay, here you go, guys. <laughs> Do whatever you want with it. It's thinner, it's less complicated, it's uh, it's, it's different than the Apromero. So let's see like a thinner and uh, you know cool collab Apromero from Zenit with that movement. I think that, that would be a hysterical ask from Zenit. <laughs> Imagine a lawsuit or something like we've earned this. Give us 12 years of 4130, um, which is not to say that I, I, I disapprove of the Apromero because uh, in its own right, it is a fantastic movement. Uh, as for collection, let's return to this next week. Um, I, I quite like this, uh, this, this experiment. <laughs> David, wants some more, yes. David wants some more thinking time with this. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, we had another article, which wasn't really a watch review as such, but from uh, Mike, which I think is worth delving into. Because I think it kind of leads into this, which is, wait a minute, Rolex watches are boring and maybe that's okay. I did contemplate that in answer to the first question about who is still not getting obsessed with celebrity, that bizarrely, Rolex is probably not a bad shout. They just do the Rolex thing and always have, never really step it up. There's just these Rolex ambassadors. They never push them too far to the front. I don't think you can go to the Rolex website and see them necessarily always on the homepage in some big lineup. I think you'd have to delve in a bit deeper to find anybody. So is it okay just to accept that actually, for the moment in the market we're in just now, a bit of boring, a bit of sure and steady is actually all right, especially from Rolex. Ripley? Uh, I love Rolex. Um, and I think they being boring is okay, but, you know, th that makes the special stuff they do so much fun. Um, I, I think Rolex is the brand that's closer to me than any other. I spent three years working on the service side of the industry and spent spent my days looking inside of them. And I, you know why I bought the palm dial Rolex and like that was the one watch I bugged my retailer for was because it was atypical for Rolex, but not so outlandish was something I didn't want in my life. So it, having this brand who is the definition of consistent incremental updates and change. Sure. That's boring. They're not releasing a yellow set neon yellow watch with dragons on it. You know, that's not Rolex. That's not the Rolex way, but at the same time, we need that constant presence in, in the industry. And what's kind of amazing is despite being boring, Rolex does a little bit of something industry, interesting and all of a sudden it's picked up by every brand. Look how many brands decided to embrace similar colorways after the Oyster Perpetuals and look how many watches embrace similar colorways to the GMT. You know, Rolex might be boring, but they're also a, uh, a taste shaper, if you will. So, you know, that's fine as far as I'm concerned because everyone's copying the boring brand is, you know, and it really comes down hmm. to it. Yeah, what one of the comments, Crew Jones, on the website article, good watches, good designs, good pedigree. What's the problem with that? It's not boring. It's just excellence. Hmm. I, uh, Strongly agree, David. I don't think Strongly it's disagree. boring. Um, it's it's interesting. I mean, if you look at a Submariner, yes, it's boring because it it looks it looks basically identical for seventy years. You know, of course there are nuances and 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 whatnot, and it's a different watch in terms of feel, 
and the quality uh, compared to what it was like, you know, seven decades ago. But still, um, exciting stuff. You have to look a little bit deeper and you have to understand that, you know, whenever something happens within Rolex, it's not an agile brand in a sense, right? So to make, to teach a new trick to, to, to Rolex is extremely difficult and, it, and, and a completely different undertaking than, than what Hublot does or whatever because the scale is different and the expectations are different. It's not like you can roll something out and it can be crap. It can't. And, you know, sure, you can say, like, oh, well, you know, we made this dial and we make five of them or 50 of them or 500 of them. No, it's like a completely different scale and a different um, type of scrutiny that anything that Rolex does undergoes. Um, so that, that, to me, makes a lot of what Rolex does exciting, right? Because it's, it's a completely different scenario, even compared to its closest rivals. Mm. And well, like we touched on it last week, I think you'd identify just how many different speedmasters there are. Yeah, hundreds. Whereas you know, there's effectively one Submariner. Yes. Okay, there's two. There's one with a date, one without. But that's basically it. So, are we thinking that something is boring just because there's not a lot of variety? And then, as soon as there becomes a lot of variety, like in speedmasters, like oh, this is terrible that there's so many of these. Well, this kind of unlocks what I like to call the cheese pizza paradox. You know, again, you ask every single person and the planet, what's your favorite pizza? Cheese is the minority of the answers you receive. And yet that is the best selling cheese pizza. That, that is the go-to that every single pizza parlor everywhere in the world, that's the best selling one. And hmm. you look at, you know, people have these elaborate tastes for the stuff they like to post on Instagram or the stuff that's eye-catching or the stuff that's going to get likes or the stuff that's going to like be peacocking. But at the end of the day, they're probably not wearing the fluorescent yellow or pink watch every day. They're probably wearing that black diver like the Submariner. And so, sure, it's boring, but at the same time, so is like, you know, morning coffee or, a, a, you know, a neat scotch. And these are the go-tos that are... You know, it's not the exotic tiki drink that's the guy's drinking every afternoon. So at the same time, I don't think boring is so much as it is kind of timeless and a constant, you know, and um, it's a it's a different like David said, it's a different type of watchmaking. They're making over a million units a year. This isn't this isn't a brand who makes 10,000 watches and, you know, limited editions of double digit pieces. It's a mm. totally different ball game they're playing. Hi, this is Ariel Adams, founder of A Blog to Watch, with a message about eBay. I visit eBay daily and have been relying on eBay to learn about and acquire watches for more than 20 years. Did you know that you can now buy watches directly from brands or their authorized dealers on eBay? Timepieces coveted by watch enthusiasts from brands like Zodiac, Loco, Parallel, and more are part of eBay's Certified by Brand program. Here's how it works. Luxury names are partnering with eBay to bring brand new and pre-owned watches and other luxury accessories directly to you. Certified by brand includes a minimum one-year factory warranty for watches and offers an unprecedented selection of new and used watches directly from the source, all with the peace of mind you can expect from eBay. Visit ebay.com slash certified by brand for more information. Well, let's say uh, before we... Uh, start bringing in uh, the gang to play Hitmas. Maybe let's have a look at 
a watch that uh, certainly cannot be viewed as being in any way normal or, you know, not standoutish. New release Hublot Classic Fusion Tourbillon Orlinsky Yellow Magic and Sky Blue Watches. I'm a big fan of the Orlinsky, of the originals. Uh, yeah, this is just more Hublot, basically. <laughs> it's probably the best way to describe it. <laughs> it's taking a really nice thing, just more Hublowing it. Uh, have Hublot done a Hublot on this? Or, <laughs> I, mean, I think we should maybe ask this question every time. Who who else should we be giving this design to, to do? Who should we give the Hublot or Linsky to Ripley to do instead of Hublot? Ooh, uh, Piaget. <laughs> Piaget. I was going to say Longo. <laughs> three-quarter plate bridge four i think people would just quit glossy they would be empty the next next morning they were like okay that's it we're out (laughs) ghost town is a tumbleweed (laughs) rolls through this is a 14 foot giant purple gorilla in front of (laughs) (laughs) so what do we think about orlinski as a design cue first of all i really do like it uh, the, so I, I, these aren't my favorite ones. I actually like these watches way more in person than I do, um, from in, in just photos. And that goes for every single Orlinsky model. Um, there's something about them that translates better in person than in photos. Uh, but these aren't the ones, my favorite ones. My favorite ones are the simple time only ones where you get that very, very crazy angular textured dial. These are a very, very cool, uh, complicated execution of it. But for me, if I was going to go get an Orlinsky Ublo for myself, it's one of those entry level models that literally it, it almost feel, looks like a toy at first. And then you get it in the hands. It's very well executed, but it's very much a Orlinsky watch sculpture rather than a Orlinsky inspired Ublo watch. Yeah, no option here to plug in your USB drive, David. Is that disappointing? Not at all. I was actually just looking at the integration of the strap now that you mention it. It's, <laughs> it's funny. I was, I was just looking at that. Um, it's a great looking watch. I love the movement. What a brilliant execution. Wow. Very cool. Very nice. 95,000. I think we can safely say that this Hublot is better value than the Tech Hoyer from last, last week. I, I, keep, I keep going on about it, I know, but still... Yeah, when when Ubu are the ones bringing the value proposition to the table, you know you're in problem. Yes, <laughs> you know you've got a problem tackling. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I mean to be fair, it sounds completely ridiculous, and it always does when we talk about watch pricing. But ninety five grand seems like reasonable. <laughs> it doesn't seem doesn't seem like too much of a stretch mm. for for something that that has. This kind of pedigree, and there's only 30 of them. Maybe they're only going to make 30 of them because they probably actually won't even make 30 of them, to be honest. They maybe make 10 if they're lucky. Mm. Uh, but but keep it down to 30 as to whether they can sell 30 each of these. But uh, go to the comment section and uh, tell us what you think. I would... And... Um, go on. Yeah, I would just also recommend checking out the regular Chronograph Orlinsky in titanium for like mm. 15k. It will yeah. not have a decent yeah. movement in it because it's going to have like a cellular or something, so... Oh, that's bad. But the but the the case is beautiful, and the and the bracelet they've also shaped in a in a similar way as the the case that you see here, and that's like nineteen k in all titanium. I think that's that's very cool, and I can understand this cool where a lot of effort goes into the exterior of a watch, and uh, yeah, Hublot is is pretty good at that. Uh, yeah, uh, to David's point, that watch is actually probably the one that is most wearable. I saw it in Geneva. Orlinsky was actually at the Hublot boutique there unexpectedly for the launch. I was there to try to get a glimpse of the Saxon, but he was there. But I was shocked at how wearable that watch is. If you want the Orlinsky vibe, but don't want like a yellow or bright blue watch, 
that is the one for you. It has all the same cues, but it isn't, it doesn't feel like an Orlinsky sculpture. It hits all the same design elements, but you could totally wear it with regular attire and not feel ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Great stuff. Well, I did want to play Guess the Price of the Seiko, but unfortunately Ripley wrote the article, so that'll need to wait for another day, but go and check out the uh, two Grand Seiko Snowflake releases on the website very quickly. Ripley, what did you make of these? Um, well, I've actually just written another article about more Grand Seikos, yes. and there's another Snowflake-themed one coming. So, like, surprise, surprise. Oh, yeah, here we go. Snowflake <laughs> season, baby. Here we go. <laughs> joke about Grand Seiko no loves the nature-inspired dial. They love the Snowflake. Um, but, you know, I keep writing these articles so we have something to talk about and we can keep guessing the price of. Um, these latest ones, they are relatively good value. I think that Titanium F91 Quartz is a pretty solid offering for those who don't like the spring drive. But at the same time, if you're going to get one of these, just get the regular spring drive. So, yeah. yeah. Could, could, I, could I ask you that for this article you're about to write, you, you leave the price off of it <laughs> and ask folk in the comment section to nominate the price of the Seiko? And then we could do a wee follow up and see how close everybody was. So just just XXX the price at the bottom and direct folk to the comment well, section. <laughs> I, I, I can't do I can't do that, but I will tell you this. One is a both are spring drive because it 2024 is the 20th anniversary of Grand Seiko Spring Drive. Mm -hmm. So both are spring drive. One is a titanium three-handed model, the other is a GMT in stainless steel, and there's only a $100 price difference between them. <laughs> oh, here we go. Go figure. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, okay, okay, cool. Right, well, we're going to uh, tune in to uh, Ralph and Kevin that are joining us for Hit Miss Maybe. We're going to be looking at three watches and a classic watch today. We're going to be looking at the Hamilton Ventura Blue Suede Shoes. We're going to be looking at the Panerai Radiomir Annual Calendar Goltech Watch and the Gerald Genta 2023 Disney 100th Anniversary. And we're going to be looking at the classic Fusion Big Bang Hublot drama from way back in the day and trying to get a take on what we think of that or what we would have thought on that when it was first out. However, if you're listening on the podcast, you'll get to hear two out of three of those reviews. So if you would like to hear the other two, then do check out the A Blog to Watch Weekly Live YouTube channel. Tune in there. You can tune in live around about 8.15ish on a Tuesday UK time, or you can go to the channel later in the week and see the edited highlights of those four reviews. So... For some of you, we will see you in a moment when it's time to say goodbye. And for the rest of you, we will uh, see you soon. So, Greetings and welcome to our Hit Miss Maybe from A Blog To Watch Week Live. You may be tuning in here live on YouTube. You may be listening on the podcast. You may be watching the replay on YouTube. I don't know where you're watching this or what you're doing. But we are joined by some fellow A Blog To Watch Weekly team and let's see who they are where they are and what they are wearing ripley where are you and what are you wearing today well i'm normally in sunny california it is very rainy so i'm in rainy los angeles and i am wearing the timex three time zone chronograph uh when Ooh, this watch cool. was released i thought who needs three time zones and a chronograph but it's perfect for this 
I've got all you gents on the uh, one hand. David, you're up here in Budapest, and uh, I'm the 12-hour hand, so it works <laughs> out perfectly. And the chronograph tracking elapsed time, it all makes so much sense. <laughs> David, David, drumroll, is David wearing a watch and is indeed still in Hungary. Wait, we have a watch. What do we have, David? Yes, it's the Siga Design Eye of Horrors that I reviewed on the blog to watch in like 3,000 words. So that I had quite a lot to say about this $199 uh, watch. So yeah, just go and check it out. It's, it's quite something. Great stuff. Right, Ralph, where are you and what are you wearing? I am coming from the wintry but still sunny Dubai, and I am wearing today my 1973, oops, 1973 um, Sima Ubdeyuko. Yeah, we're, we're so organized, I even have a picture. <laughs> yeah, this was, uh, I got an extract from the archives about this watch, and it was originally delivered in 1973 to Burundi. To Burundi? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, who was the king, queen... Uh, person in charge because it was presumably not going to the common people of Burundi. No, there's no no allegation no. that this was from some nefarious. Part it was of some a bribe. That's for deal. sure. <laughs> <laughs> there's only good vibes on this watch. That's only, for sure. Yeah. Only good vibes. Well, this next watch, there's certainly been a couple of good vibes on. Bear in mind the condition and state that it's in. Kevin, where are you and what are you wearing? Oh, gosh, thank you. I <laughs> am in Kent. It's not so sunny here, but I'm wearing a, wow, picture, uh, Omegas uh, Speedmaster X33, uh, first generation from 1999, I think it is. Yeah, it's been worn. Yeah, yeah it's absolutely wow. epic. Brilliant. <laughs> Love it. Definitely I've not watched, safe, Queen. I've got a Tiso T-Touch, which basically looks the same as this <laughs> completely battered but i am of course wearing a pad right and i'm in scotland so that is all as per usual right so first up this week in hit miss maybe we're gonna give it to ripley because he actually wrote the article but this is new release the hamilton ventura blue suede shoes quartz watch ripley tell us about this watch uh, so the original, you know, the first Hamilton in 1957, the original Ventura came out. It was the world's first electric wristwatch. That does not mean quartz. That means electronic. Um, these, you know, Elvis famously wore the Ventura, uh, had multiple models. Um, these are blue dial versions of the quartz Ventura lineup. Um, you get two, I guess, it's technically three models, six references total. You get the chronograph on a bracelet or strap. You get a gold one on a bracelet or strap, and then you get a, a steel version, three-hander on a bracelet or strap. Uh, they're loosely inspired by Elvis's song, Blue Suede Shoes, um, because they've got a blue gradient dial, and you can get them with a blue strap. Kind of, you know, pay homage to Elvis, a famous Hamilton Ventura wearer. Um, quartz movements, uh, steel cases, mineral glass crystals, uh, which is a, a little bit of a letdown, um, but, you know, interesting take on, you know, one of their more unusual and signature designs. Great stuff. So let's give this the judgment of the gang. So on the count of three, is it a hit, is it a miss, or is it a maybe? One, two, three, go. Oh. So we have three hits and two maybes. So Ripley, you give it a review. It sounded like a good review, but you're only giving it a maybe. Yeah, so just two little gripes for me. As far as aesthetics, 
it's a hit. Uh, they just seem a little bit expensive for just kind of this quartz watch uh, uh, with the mineral glass crystal. Honestly, I'm not really a big crystal material snob, but if you are paying, you know, close to a thousand dollars, go ahead and make it out of sapphire. I understand it's a it's a difficult shape to make. This is hardly a standard part for that to fit the case. I 100% understand why they went with mineral. My God, is it not a deal breaker? But when you say you're paying $1,000 for a quartz watch with a mineral crystal, it's a little bit of a tough pill to swallow. That said, I love the way they look. Give me one of the gold ones on the bracelet. Um, maybe if I saw them in person, I might feel a bit differently. But you know, I'm having a little bit of a hard time with the price. But objectively speaking, I think they'd be a ton of fun to wear. Good stuff. David, how did you vote and why? I voted hit and it's because I have a soft spot for the Ventura. I think it's just such an awesome design and it looks even better in person and on the wrist. I'm happy it exists. I'm happy that Hamilton is taking care of this collection. And uh, for all those reasons, it's, it's definitely a hit for me. The I, I give it a hit as well. They do wear surprisingly well. You would think that this was like not going to be comfortable just because it's unusual, but actually... They are really cool to wear, and you do feel like a pet detective uh, wearing them. So there is there is no doubt about that. Cat Kevin is your inner pet detective or inner blues. I could imagine you being an Elvis impersonator in, in Vegas. Hell no. Have you got Have you got that? In, have you got that in your locker somewhere? I definitely have not. I definitely have not. But I voted this a hit. I disagree with Ripley. I think it's surprisingly good value, even though it is a quartz. Um, um, my only gripe with this is the uh, date window on the chrono. It would be better if it was black, sorry, blue, but um, it's sort of almost black and it's graduated dial. So you can, they do get away with it. But um, I think it's it's great value for money. Sorry, Ripley. <laughs> there we go. Fight Club. Uh, Ralph, <laughs> you gave it a maybe, I think. Yeah, I give it a maybe just for the history that it has. And I think this is an iconic shape, shape, but I do not like it personally. So for me, it's just like, a, mm, it should be featured in a silly science fiction movie. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> oh. I think it was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I think nah, it's not for me. But um, I do feel that this has been a very futuristic shape back in the day. So it's it's nice that it's still there. So that's why I gave it a maybe. Great stuff. Right, let's carry on. Yeah, I'm I'm almost afraid to discuss this watch because of my particular uh, appreciations of the brand. But we're going on the website. We went hands-on with the Panerai Radiomir Annual Calendar Watch. Uh, yeah, it's, it's Panerai, so it's kind of got everything you would expect, except that this also has an annual calendar it's the radiomere case rather than the luminor which probably more people are familiar with with the funny uh crown guard it's gold tech whatever that means nobody really knows i'm not really even sure that panerai know what it means but it is a very pretty watch from my point of view uh, but what does everybody else think so gentlemen is this a hit is it a miss or is it a maybe? Your marks, get set, go. Okay, we have three hits, a maybe and a miss. Let's deal with uh, Ralph. You gave it a hit. Why is yeah. this Panerai a hit? I think, um, I mean, 
Panerai's 45 millimeters were smaller on the wrist. I had um, a Radiomir for, for a long time. I wore, it was my most worn watch. And then I sold it in the same year when it was actually my most worn watch. Um, <laughs> Because, okay, so, just... so because you're an idiot because what no i thought <laughs> i thought yes i love it and i have i've done the normal radio mirror base logo right small seconds uh-huh but i thought eventually i will get another one and a nicer one so all right okay. sounds like a these... bad rom-com movie if you love something set it free it, yeah <laughs> let it go so and uh i did and i think it's a it's a really, really lovely watch in this in this gold tag, which is just normal mm. normal gold. But every every brand has to call it Setna Gold and Rollisor and what God knows, right? Because it's <laughs> just cooler to call it something. Um, but I feel it's not overladen, so it's actually quite cool for an annual calendar. And um, I I do like gold recently. I don't know why, but I think it's probably the age. I feel like gold watches are the future at the moment, at least for my collection. <laughs> <laughs> are, are, are we feeling the uh, inflationary pressures worldwide we're all heading to gold just in case <laughs> uh kevin how did you pass muster on this i thought it was a hit i actually do like this watch extremely uh it's it's superb Panerai, the past couple of years have gone down in my estimation and i haven't liked the designs and the way they've been going However, this is um, they're coming back to uh, what I think is um, the way forward. It's a fantastic design. Um, it's not complicated. I love the um, annual calendar. Uh, my Italian is not great, so but even I can work out which month and which day is which. <laughs> um, but the case size, yeah, it, it does wear smaller than the forty-five it states. So whoever, if you ever get a chance to go into Panerai boutique and try on a 45 or 44 you'd be surprisingly how comfortable they wear um it's a hit all day long it's not for me the color gold doesn't suit my my skin tone and i'm not really a fan of gold watches anyway however this will be a, a solid hit for Panerai going forward and i can't wait for the stainless steel version hopefully coming out yeah. soonish maybe a year or two we'll see yeah. yeah, this was released at Watches and Wonders last year. So yeah, yeah, we'll see what they follow up with this year. I gave this a maybe <clears throat> because I absolutely love this watch, but it breaks my cardinal rule. And so I have to stick to it. That if you're going to be an annual calendar, you have to show all three elements the same way. <sighs> if you're going to use windows, use windows for all three parts like the Zenith does. If you're going to use pointers or dials, use pointers or dials for all three of them. Don't confuse me by pointing to one thing and displaying another. You're so obviously the... easily confused. I am <laughs> easily confused. It's, it's moving around so fast. Uh, so yeah, easily confused. But yeah, don't... You know, the, effectively the... The month is being shown at 90 degrees to the rest of the information. Mm-hmm. It's just not, yeah, I'm it's sorry. It's a design quirk. It's a design quirk. <laughs> what's it they say? It's a. It's not a fault, it's a feature. Is, yes, that, exactly, is that the yeah. phrase? That's right. <laughs> well, so I'm giving it a move for that, but I would wear this every day of the week. But every time I looked at it, I would be reminded that I was breaking my own uh, design rules in terms of uh, calendar displays. David, what did you vote? Yeah, I voted a miss on this. Um, a big, big, giant miss, uh, actually. I think it, this watch just looks like an early sketch to me. Um, it doesn't look particularly <laughs> refined. I feel like they realized that if they write 
half of the dial in Italian, they will get away with it. <laughs> that's that's like okay, that's it. Our job is sorted, right? <laughs> it, it, it's you know, oh, thank goodness we're technically Italian. Um, and yeah, it's just not something. It, the proportions are kind of off. The case is very bulky, even by my Panerai standards to my eyes, proportion wise. I love the Radiomir very much. I would take uh, a gold California dial Radiomir anytime. Uh, but this one, hmm. um, I think we could all live without a annual calendar Panerai. I'm not even sure why it exists, uh, to be honest. Oh, no. Ripley, tell us why. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin, Kevin sending help. <laughs> I said it's a hit. Um, I yeah. said it's a hit because well, look at Panerai as a brand. They're so confined from a design perspective. Every single watch they make is going to be a Radiomir or a Luminor. I brought up the Mara Nostrum in an interview and they looked at me like I had, you know, spoken blasphemy. They're like, no, no, no. You're yeah, no, not no, supposed to not. talk about it. <laughs> it was such a scam. Yeah, we, 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 <laughs> we want to forget we about, that. about that. <laughs> not in front of company. Oh my, I don't know. So, so the, the fact that they can't really go anywhere with their designs from like a you know a cardinal perspective makes me really, really appreciate the models that go somewhere differently, uh, either in terms of how they implement a complication or just not being the same, you know, base Luminor type of setup. Um, I kind of like the way, you know, I think one of the things Panerai does really well, almost too far sometimes, is making a complicated watch look very simple. Some of the GMTs, you just put an AME PM indicator, it's useless for me. You know, there's no scale or anything for it. But, you know, <laughs> a, a equation of time, no one needs that, period. Yeah. But Equation of time know, is just simply the best watch that Panerai make. I'm sorry, you're just wrong. Oh, I, well, I, I love it for that reason. But but yeah, absolutely <laughs> useless. In, in this instance, I love the way they kind of implemented it. It's not impractical. I think the proportions could use a little bit of work. David's correct there. But at the same time, I think this is this is fresh for being a Panerai, and I would love to see this concept expanded in a different way. Uh, because you know, if you change certain elements with the dial, you could be left with a watch that really wouldn't feel like a Radiomir. Uh, and I think that's big for Panerai, just to be able to kind of push the design envelope. I think it's a fun implementation of an annual calendar, and the simple fact that it's you know a little bit different for them, I've got to give them props for that. So it's a hit. Good stuff, good stuff. Right, well, those of you that are listening to the podcast, you're going to miss out on us chatting about the Gerald Genta Disney Watch and the Hublot Classic Fusion as we play Classic Hitmas, maybe. Uh, so if you would like to catch up on that, then do search out the A Blog to Watch Weekly Live YouTube channel and uh, catch up with those reviews then. So for those that are tuning in, we'll see you again in a few minutes. Yeah, that is a very good observation. And uh, yeah, and on that note of an actual, genuine, horological observation, <laughs> we will leave Hit Miss Maybe there with Ralph bringing the actual geekness to the show. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. If you are now back on the podcast, you have missed chat comparing a Mickey Mouse Genta with an Ubo Classic Fusion. And, you know, just to do one of those kind of Nico Vanderhorst kind of things, you will be shocked at what the outcome is. <laughs> uh, between comparing these two watches, we'll get someone to make up a wee, a wee, you know, image for YouTube with me, with us all screaming or Mickey Mouse hands or something everywhere. So do uh, tap up the YouTube channel for our comparison, sort of, between Gerald Genta and Ubo Classic Fusion, a phrase you never thought you'd hear anywhere else. But uh, yeah, 
thank you all for listening or viewing however you tuned in and it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from all goodbye. of them goodbye ciao that's the length of my Italian by the way <laughs> <laughs> goodbye folks <laughs>